My name is Christina. I'm one of our pastors here, and I am so delighted that I get to bring the Word of God to our church tonight. This is our third week in our midweek where we've been studying the Psalms together. And tonight I'm so excited that we're going to sit in Psalm 8. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to grab it right now. Get cozy. Um, and I just want to take a minute for us to take a breath. I don't know what your day was like today. I don't know what your season is like today. But I know as many of us are sheltering at place at home, we are living a different life. And things feel a little bit crazy. Um, so whether you're sitting right now with a family that you've been with all day helping educate, maybe you're bathing a small child while you're listening to us, maybe you're sitting with roommates whose faces you've been staring at a little bit too long, or maybe right now this screen is the zillionth screen you've stared at today and you're kind of ready to just be done. Um, I just invite you to engage in this time. So let the Lord use his word to move powerfully in your heart. Like I said, we're going to be sitting in Psalm 8 tonight, and I need this psalm this week because this is a psalm all about the majesty of God. And in a season when I'm so focused on what's going on inside my walls, under my roof, in our city, in our state, in our nation, and in our world, I need that pause and that chance to, to get a bigger view and to see God for who he truly is because it helps me see things differently. So grab your Bible. If you're watching on our website, you can also use the Bible tab up on the right-hand side of the screen and put in Psalm 8 and track along with me. This is a psalm written by David. David was a shepherd who then later became a king. Um, but I imagine as he wrote this, or maybe he first sung it as a song to the Lord, I see him out in the fields. I see him looking up at a night sky that was completely black, and being in awe of the stars and the moon and just soaking up the goodness of God as he wrote this. So as you read along, as you listen to this, I want you to take yourself to a place where you've experienced just the magnificence of God in nature. For me personally, it's the ocean. When I sit and look out over the ocean, I just feel the vastness of God. I feel like he is huge and that I'm small and it puts me in my place in an amazing way. I love the beauty of it. For you, maybe it's being in the mountains. Maybe it's looking out over Lake Tahoe or seeing snow-covered peaks. Um, or maybe it's being up outside looking at the stars away from the city. Take yourself there for a moment. Put yourself in that mind frame as you listen to the words of David. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind? that you are mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Lord God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for this psalm that was written so long ago. 
God, we pray that as we dive into looking at it, God, that we see you in a fresh new way. God, I pray that we are moved by your majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, what I would love to do is just take a peek at the psalm going a few verses at a time, sharing with you a little bit of the encouragement that I have received from sitting in the psalm and hoping that's also an encouragement for you. And then at the end, I'm going to give you guys just a few questions that have also already been sent out to our small group leaders of kind of how to respond to the psalm. So the first thing I want us to do is just look at the first verse. David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, when I first read this, I just assumed he was using repetition, right? O Lord, our Lord. Um, But as I looked a little bit closer, I realized that actually he's using two very different words here in the Hebrew. The first word he's using when he says, O Lord, is the word Yahweh. O Yahweh. Now, Yahweh was the name that God gave to Moses for his chosen people to be used. For the Israelite people, it it was a personal name. It it was a God that God gave to his special people. It was a reverent name. It was so sacred and so reverent that the people wouldn't even utter the word out loud. And when they wrote it, they would just write the consonants without the vowels in it. This is a very special and personal name. So as David is saying this, he's remembering Yahweh. This is the God of my people. This is the God of, my, of the generations that have come before me. This is the God that led the Israelites out of Egypt and freed them from slavery, led them through the wilderness and took them into the promised land. This is a God who is faithful and who does what he says he's going to do. That's the Yahweh he's referring to. And then the second Lord he uses, our Lord, is the word Adonai. And this is more of, a, of like a master, a Lord, an owner, a ruler, of, of the universe. He's saying, you are the rightful ruler of the whole universe, but you're also my personal king. He's saying, oh Yahweh, my Adonai, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Now, m- majestic, this isn't a word that I use often. Maybe you've used it in a sentence this week. I have not. And I don't even think like majesty is a word or a phrase that we think of often because we don't have royalty here in the U.S. But what he's saying here, majestic, he's saying it's excellent. How majestic is your name in the earth? How excellent, how grand, how magnificent, how glorious, how grandiose is your name in all the earth? He's saying it's not limited to a kingdom or a country. It's not limited, but it's all of the earth. And the name of God, his character, his wisdom, his goodness, it's known and exalted through all of the earth. That's what David is saying in that first verse. And then in the second verse, he goes on to expand it. So first he said, here in the earth, God, your your name is, is magnificent. But then he goes beyond and he says, you have set the glory above the heavens, even higher and beyond. He is exalted above this world and all worlds and all heavens and all universes. That's how grandiose and great he is. Okay, and then I love what he does next. So imagine David starts at saying, in the earth, how majestic is your name in all the earth and above the heavens, how grand And then he brings it back to earth and he contrasts it with the weakest, smallest, most humble. In verse 2, he says, From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Um, I have three kiddos. They're 7, 9, and 12. And even though they're getting a little bit older, um, I still consider them little and, and kiddos. Um, and, I, and I love hearing them pray. 
I love hearing them sing praises to God. Those of you who have kids or work with kids, you know how powerful it is to hear a meek and mild child sing with their heart full to God, raising their hands to Jesus, proclaiming the goodness of God, or even their prayers. Their prayers are just, they're more pure when they're little. It's powerful and it's beautiful. And David is saying here that even through young and weak infants, the praise from their lips he uses to silence still and still and stop his enemies. He exalts the weak and makes them powerful. This is the power of our God. His enemies, they can't even stand up to the weakest, to the smallest of his kingdom. And just the words from their mouth are enough to still and silence the enemy. Friends, for me, this is a deep encouragement because if today you are feeling weak or frail or kind of rocked by the storms of this season that we are in, if you're feeling fragile in the midst of the turbulence and the uncertainty and the grief and the sadness of this time, I want you to know this, that God is not disappointed with you. God doesn't need you to be strong and you are not useless to him. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 12 for just a second because I love what Paul talks about here is he's talking a little bit about weakness. So in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is saying that, that he, he has a thorn in the flesh, something that's making him weak, and he's begging God to take it away. He says, I've prayed time and again, God, please remove this from me. And this is what he says God's response is to him. In verse 9, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, I want you to own that tonight. If tonight you are feeling like there's a thorn in the flesh or that you're feeling like you're in a place that is weak or that is empty, you feel like the meek and the lowly, hear this word. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about y'all, but I have this tendency to want to be strong and want to do it in my own strength. And and, and that's not what the Lord wants. That's not what God needs. He needs us to just bring what we have, just like the babies and the children. And he says, I will exalt the weak, and through them I will be strong. He goes on in verse 3 to say this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Friends, I, I love this. Can't you just see him like, laying on the grass. I mean, I'm like kind of romanticizing this. He was a shepherd. There was probably like sheep poop and stuff, but I just like, I want to romanticize it for a second. He's just laying there and he's looking up at this vast black sky full of stars. There's no cities around. There's no street lights. And he's just in awe when I consider your heavens. Um, my family every summer goes to Montana for a reunion and um, it, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and I love it. And one of my favorite things to do at night is to go outside. And it's pretty far north, so it has to be really late for it to be super dark out. But the stars will take your breath away. 
the millions of them. They're vast and they're bright and they're amazing. Um, and, and with the city lights here in San Jose, you can't see them, right? You have to remove yourself. But I, I think that's what he's saying here. When I just pause and stop and I consider these heavens and the work of your fingers, he paints a picture here of a creative God, right? Of a skillful God, a God who is an artist, working and designing, designing the moon and the stars and the universe with his very fingers. I just, I, I love that intention, thinking of, uh, of our God that created not only these amazing galaxies, but also the depth of the human heart. And after painting this picture of our massive, majestic God, David poses this question in verse four. He says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. When you are the God of so much and you are capable of so much and you've created so much, why mankind? Why would you even care? Do you even care? And friends, I, I think this is a question that we often ask, isn't it? In this crazy world we live in, in this season that we live in with so much pain, so much confusion, so much heartache and sickness and grieving, we think, does the God of the universe of all generations, does he see us? Does he care? Does he know us? And here's what I love. As quickly as David asked that question, he answers it in Psalm 5. He says in verse 5, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. So what is mankind? That you would be mindful of them? That you would even care for them? He does. So much so that he's made us just a little lower than the angels. And he's crowned us with glory and honor from his greatness, from his majesty, his power and all authority over all the universe that he himself created. He thinks of us. He sees us. We are his unique creation, the creation nearest to God, so near that he lives in us and through us, and he has crowned us with honor and with glory. We are the very instrument of God here on earth, placed here to demonstrate his love and his character to all of creation. And he's given us the spirit of God living and dwelling and guiding and leading us through this life. That's what he's done for mankind. And even more so in verse 6, it says, You made them rulers, humankind. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. He gave us this authority. He gave us this honor. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea, all created things. Um, my family loves animals. We love them. My kids love to read books about animals, watch shows about animals, planet Earth. You bring it. We love our animals. And as I read through this, it gives me the visual of, of you know, the, the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I think of the jellyfish. Does anyone else love those jellyfish? People, I could sit and stare at them for hours. It's like they are dancing this beautiful dance, all sizes and different color. They're amazing. That's God's creation. Um, I think of last summer, my family went to Yellowstone. Such a fun trip. And, and thinking of these huge bison that we saw like way across the fields. They're these huge beasts of creatures. And then the next day they like walked in front of our car and we got all these pictures up close. It's just, it's just crazy. Those are God's creation too. I, I think of, 
I'm snorkeling. I would love to snorkel someday like in a, an amazing reef. I've never got to do that, just to see like the majestic colors of tropical fish. I love watching hummingbirds, watching beautiful hawks and eagles soar. This is all God's beautiful creation. I think of whales, these massive, huge beasts, and how fun it is to stare out at the ocean, hoping to see one of them come to the top. And God says, I put you in charge of them. I put you in care over them. Friends, not only does God see us, but we have been crowned with glory and honor by this majestic God, the creator of all, and we get to partner with him in caring for his creation. And then again in verse 9, David returns to what he said at the very beginning. But this time, I feel like we have so much more as we hear these words, so much more perspective as he has illustrated for us in the last seven verses, the majesty of God. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. O Yahweh, our Adonai, our personal God, the creator and owner of the universe. How grandiose and majestic is your name, is your wisdom, is your character, is your knowledge, is your love in all of the earth. I want us to just sit in this for a second as we're going to wrap in just a minute. I don't want us to just hear a beautiful psalm and then move on. <laughs> we can hear lovely words and, and, and beautiful imagery, things that sound good and maybe even make us feel good. But I want us to sit in this psalm and allow it to stir in our hearts for just a minute. I want us to have an awareness of this God that David is talking about. Friends, a knowledge and an understanding of God and his majesty, it changes the way we live our lives. Our focus changes from this self-glorification and self-exaltation, self-centeredness and self-pleasing to an awareness of where our praise and our worship should be directed. It changes the perspective of it. I think a question for us to ponder in response to the psalm is this. Is the prayer of our hearts, is the prayer of your heart, is the prayer of my heart this? O oh Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name in all of my life. I think it can be easier for us to say how majestic is your name in the earth when we look outside there, but for us to actually really own that line, to offer that praise to the Lord and say, oh Yahweh, oh Yahweh, my God, my God who I know who has been faithful to me, who has been faithful through the centuries, oh Yahweh, my Adonai, my Lord, the one who I have given full authority over my life, who is the ruler of my universe, how majestic is your name? How majestic is your authority, is your word, is your wisdom, and is your truth in all of my life? I think this is kind of a dangerous question to ask because it's very revealing. Is it a question we ask? And can we say it to be true? How majestic is your name in my thoughts? How majestic is your name in my home? How majestic is your name in my relationships? In my work, in my play, in my free time, in my sheltering in place? This question makes us have to ask, have I fully surrendered full authority of my life 
to Christ? Have I given all access to him? I love that, that this verse, the verses in this psalm so elevate us, right? It starts by talking about the majesty of God, but then doesn't diminish us as humankind. Doesn't say, God, you are so vast and you're so amazing and we're just worthless and we're nothing. It says, no, the, the Lord sees the value in us and he created us with that. And because of that, he has given us glory and honor and passed on the beauty and authority. Friends, the love of God is so great that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And we have the ability to step into new life through Jesus. That is the majesty of our God. He conquers all sin and all death and offers us the hope of eternal life with him, sharing in his joy and his glory and his majesty. We're going to break in just a second. And I know many of our small groups are going to be meeting tonight. Others will be meeting at other times during the week. Your small group leaders have been given questions that they'll bring to you. These questions also right now are in the notes section that you can get if you're on our website on the right-hand side. But I want to read them for us. For those of you who maybe aren't in a group right now or maybe you're listening to us after the fact, here's a couple questions for you to sit in. First, how does a high view of God and his majesty help us gain perspective in our lives? Second, this psalm shows us the majesty of God right alongside his care for humans. He is seen as both big and lowly and present. How do these two realities build your faith? And how does knowing this about God change your heart? And then last, in what ways have you seen the bigness and majesty of God in your life? And in what ways have you maybe struggled to see it? I hope those questions are awesome for your group time or for you in your personal reflection. Friends, I would just love to pray over us as we close. Would you close your eyes with me? Lord God, we want to ask for your forgiveness for the places in our lives where your majesty is not ruling. God, we ask that by the power of your spirit, you gently convict our hearts to see the places where we need to surrender to you full authority of our lives. God, we thank you for your beautiful creation. We thank you that you have crowned us. God, we thank you that you want to partner with us in this beautiful life. God, you are majestic and you are worthy of all praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much, friends.